If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Welcome back to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. This is episode 99, which is actually pretty damn incredible. Episode 99, I'm joined by my longtime friend, my oldest friend, not in the world, but my oldest friend in this industry, Paul Bassett, joining me again for our annual predictions show. This is the show where we recap our predictions from last year to see if any of them came true, and we put our thoughts together for our future predictions for 2023. So Paul, I warmly and enthusiastically welcome you back to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. I don't know. I'm, I'm grateful that I'm your oldest friend, whether it's in age or just amount of time that we've been together. It's a, <laughs> Let's it, say as long as we've been together, please. Dude, it is a reminder and you know, it's a reminder for us, but also for those listening that you have to surround yourself with good people because the only reason that you and I are sitting here right now recording this is because we became our future selves through each other and our individual networks and where those overlap. We just, we became it. So here we are. I know 20 years later, Andy, it's been, what an amazing ride. And, and we got to sit together this year at the IA show. And really, I love those times when we get to talk about when we met and how our relationship started. When you look back 20 years on, on all the accomplishments we've had together you know, as a team, you know, over these past 20 years. So hitting number 99 uh, this year has been fantastic. I'm glad I got to contribute to a few of those. Yes. And if you are listening to this and you are one year in the business, five years in the business, whatever that is, make sure you are surrounding yourself with great people. And if we can help you, Paul or myself, or maybe somebody else that we know, please reach out because that is the name of the game. We want to help you increase your knowledge. And the best way to do that is to have better relationships with more people. So please let us help. And Paul, what I want to do is start with this because I like what you just said about us, um, you know, meeting up at the IA show and having some great conversations. And I want to start with this little intro to get us going and to add a little flavor to the episode today. So are you ready for this? Let's do it. Here we go. Right? Beard science. There we go. This is it. This is where the nerds come together to let our brains explode for a minute and create the future. So where do we want to start today, Paul? Well, I mean, again, we're wrapping up the year, Andy. So this is our prediction, I guess, episode, which I enjoy tremendously. I, I, I put a lot more thought into it this year because I was challenged by, you know, you saying, Paul, we're going to do this again. And and I went back and listened to our last um, episode. I know we listened to it before we came on today, just to sort of, you know, fill in the blanks for what we're feeling. Um, but I really am excited about being able to, to discuss this. And, and more specifically, I do like the way our business and, and our irrigation industry is is moving and going. Mm -hmm. Cool. My, I had similar thoughts this morning 
uh, driving in here, and I may have mentioned this before, but what's kind of cool about trying to predict the future is potentially you can always get it right. The question is the timeline, right? I think that's kind of the hardest thing. You know, is this is this thought something that will happen next year, or is it a five year thought, a ten year thought, or a thirty year thought? Because sometimes the thirty year thoughts seem like it could happen tomorrow because you got the vision and you're just like, oh yeah, oh this this will happen, and it's easy to forget about maybe all the things that have to happen in between. So I think that when we when we talk about predicting things. Things could certainly go wrong, uh, absolutely, but sometimes it's getting the timing right that is the tricky part. Well, especially when, you, when you're when you a safe prediction person, Andy, I'm going to predict I'm going to get a raise 3% next year. I mean, that's a pretty safe prediction. Or you say, I want to increase my revenue by 30% next year. I mean, that's going out there, really, you know, putting yourself out on a limb. So it depends on, you know, what kind of prediction person you are. Do you really want to put yourself out on a limb and try to earn another 30% in revenue? And then in order to do that, you have to put in the work yeah. to get that done. Yeah. And it's probably a good thing, kind of like a portfolio. Maybe you need a handful of predictions, some that are conservative, like your 3%, and some that are a little bit bigger. It, may, it reminds me of this concept, uh, this abbreviation BHAG. Have you ever heard of that? B-H-A-G? BHAG? No. It's something mm-hmm. that is used, I don't know, I, I hear it in business, it stands for big, hairy, audacious goal. So maybe like, all right, what's your BHAG? And that's a big, hairy, audacious goal that might happen, but it might not, but it needs to be big enough that it almost seems too crazy to be true. And like you just said, that might seem like it's risky and I guess risk might be part of it, but just dreaming big. You know, everyone listening, think about maybe next year, what's your BHAG? What's your big, hairy, audacious goal? And uh, yeah, so anyway, that that's what that reminded me of. So yeah, timing and then nature of the predictions on a scale of of risk. So I think what we should do is start with uh, the first, the predictions we had last year and whether we thought they came true or not. Why don't we start with your first prediction as we sat in these very same seats a year ago and we thought about what was going to happen this this year, 2022. The first thing that you predicted was inflation. So let's talk about that. Well, we've all been through it this year, Andy, and we can see the cost of every single thing we buy has gone up significantly. Uh, certainly, it felt like it wasn't such an easy prediction because you can see it coming. But as we live through it, and we've gone a whole year with the inflation, um, prices of, of everything have, have gone up, especially hard goods, and then goods coming from overseas. So yeah, wow, Paul, you got that one mm-hmm. right, I guess. Remember, I said, I don't really want mine to be right on these levels. But <laughs> yeah, inflation went up significantly. And you know, the government even passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, hopefully, we'll see that um, hit some of our pocketbooks yeah. here in the 2023. Yep, I think you definitely got that one right. And again, what we're doing here is sort of predicting some, I guess, concepts because we didn't say inflation will go up by a specific number. If we had said that, it would have been easier to get it wrong. If you'd said, "Hey, inflation's going to go up by 10 percent," then we then that would have been the measurable data point, but we're not using, some of these things aren't always measurable, but I think from a concept perspective, yes, we had inflation this year, totally, 100%. So 
Score one for you. I'm keeping track here, by the way. So it is it is one for Paul. Okay, uh, let's switch over to me. My my first prediction for this last year was that, as I said it, that we would see the death of the non-pressure regulated spray head. The other way to say that would be we would see a full adoption of only pressure regulated spray bodies. And uh, I don't think that happened entirely. We may have seen a little bit of movement to pressure regulated spray bodies, but you can certainly buy non-pressure regulated spray bodies. You know, if you're in certain states where where it's mandatory, then it's harder, but it is definitely the non-pressure related spray body or the standard spray body is still being made by manufacturers and still stockable by distributors depending on where they're located. And Andy, why would you see that or why would you predict that that would happen? What is the benefit of, of having this integrated? Well, I guess the real question is why would you not want to have a pressure regulated spray body? If pressure regulation is good, if it works, which we know that it does, even if your pressure, even if you have fine pressure and you don't need one, let's say your pressure is even lower than the regulator. Let's say you have 30 PSI, but you have a 40 uh, PSI pressure related spray body. You know, so what? There's no disadvantage to it. So I, to me, it just streamlines everything, right? Having two choices to me just adds more complexity for stocking for distributors, more complexity for manufacturers to have to inventory and, and put uh, SKUs into production to just simplify it and put a regulator in every spray head. Totally agree with that. It's just a matter of who's going to mandate it and then who's going to enforce it. Yeah. Uh, so it didn't come true. We probably, again, maybe this is a function of how long, you know, how long. Uh, toilets that are uh, high volume, you know, available to purchase straight out of the nope. supplier. Right? Nope. Cannot. We're not. So maybe that's an indicator that at some point there will only be one option. So. Yeah, and that's that was a federal mandate, right? Back in the middle two thousands, when the Energy Policy Act actually mandated that low flow or high efficient fixtures had to meet, I think one point six at the time, and now they're down to one point two eight gallons per flush. Is the right is it regulated? So you cannot buy, you cannot go out to a plumbing supply house and buy a flush valve anymore. Um, that is not. That is 3.5 like it used to be. Okay. It has to be uh, 1.6 or lower. Hmm. So if that's federal, maybe that's federal we're, we're, we're going down the, the rabbit hole, <laughs> but maybe because it's state run right now, every state will just take their time based on where it falls on their own priority list. And maybe for that, for this to actually be true, it would need to be federal like toilets. That's right. All right. Very good. So I, I think, you know, yeah, I was, I was going to say maybe I should give myself a 0.5, but I can't score myself and it didn't come true. So I'm, I'm getting a zero on that one. That's the long-term goal, right? That's the five-year out plan prediction. Right. So in 2028, we'll have to go back and listen to all of our previous episodes of this and see which ones finally came true. All right. Your second prediction was that we would, uh, no, your second prediction was what you were calling the digitization of water. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, what I've seen in in my business sectors outside of the irrigation, but in the the water meter, the municipal utility world, there are a lot more 
devices that are being put on a piping network that allow us to what they call digitize the the water, whether it's an acoustical leak detection sensor, which, you know, again, sends digital frequencies down the water system that then, then computer algorithms can take that frequency and tell us, you know, that there is a, either a leak pending or there's a leak on its way, or there's a leak actually occurring at a certain point, right? So those are some of the ways that they digitize water. And then also in our business, when it comes to irrigation, Andy, um, one of the things that I'm seeing more prevalent is these either Bluetooth or cellular pressure transducers or pressure sensors that allow us to, again, it's it, digitizing the, the water system by taking a, an old analog reading that we used to see in an analog uh, device that now digitizes that reading and converts it over and then transmits that out to a network for managers to be able to really be better at analyzing the, the piping network and the piping infrastructure and the water infrastructure. So yes, um, you know, this is another um, place where I, ha I am seeing it. I'm seeing more devices come out and it's become a lot easier for us to manage the water with these, with these digital devices. Okay. And again, we are, we are predicting with slightly non-specific in a non-specific way, right? We're going to see some digitization of water. We didn't say exactly how or what it was. So, you know, I think you get a point for that. Well, when it comes to, you know, what, what we do every day, Andy, whether it's you or me, you know, I can only talk about what I see in the business and I see how we deploy devices in our business and how many more of these things are coming online and how many more of them that we're managing. So that's how I'm seeing and when I determine the prediction or the actual outcome, it's more about what, what outcome I see in the business every yeah. day over the last year. And think about, you were telling me about this leak detection tool right? That essentially sends a digital frequency down a pipe and tells you where the leak is happening. Yeah. And it is some of this newer technology that wouldn't say it's newer with regards to in general, but newer coming into the water world, right? That's where I'm seeing more of it happening, more of this acoustical systems or frequencies being pumped into the water network and then having a receiver on the one end, taking the algorithms of the frequencies and then determining what the issue is or where the leak is or where the problem lies. Or, you know, there, there's some other devices that I'm seeing that they can pump frequencies down, whatever frequency it is down a water system and can tell you the makeup of the pipe that the water is going through, whether it's ductile iron, it's PVC, it's concrete, what the wall thickness is. I mean, these things are just phenomenal. Um, the way that these devices are being able to integrate into our water network today. Incredible. I can't wait. I'm so curious about that. So I just made a note that you and I should talk about this acoustical frequency technology and how irrigation contractors might be able to utilize it in their business. So let's do a follow-up episode talking about that because I think you, we may have just had a few eyeballs um, light up when we planted that seed I mean, my, mine light up every time I get to try this new tech out and how it works. It's fabulous stuff. Excellent. All right. Paul's up two two. He's got, uh, he's uh, on track. His predictions are all true so far. All right. My second prediction was that uh, specifically at least one other company would begin offering soil moisture sensing technology. 
And the way that I framed this was that uh, it's a fantastic tool, right? If you want to know, if somebody were to say, how much water do you want to put down right now to fill up the plant water requirement to feel capacity, the only way that you can actually do it is with a moisture sensor, right? I'm not saying you always need to do that, but in order to know exactly how much to apply in this moment, you have to have somewhere to measure the amount of water that's being applied versus predicting versus calculating versus doing global changes, all of that. And so the way that I've said this was that we'll see at least one other company offering soil moisture sensor technology. And this would be good for all companies that currently offer it because it'll raise the tide for that technology. And I would say recently after visiting the IA show, I had a follow-up call with uh, Smart Rain. They're a, you know, irrigation controls technology company and they have a wireless soil moisture sensor and i wasn't aware of it i can't tell you if it was rolled out in 2022 but it was new to me and as far as i see they're the you know they're the next company offering one you know the the standard traditional manufacturers still you know don't really play in that space so i i think that came true one other company is now offering soil moisture sensor technology and that's smart rain and it's in the wireless uh, technology too which is correct which is a leap above some of the current technologies that out there which typically everything you're going to see is direct wire to the sensor yep all right moving on your third prediction from last year was that we would move into a recession well andy i'm glad to say that that one did not come true we have not hit a recession officially yet in 2022 I hope that one doesn't come true here in 2023. I hope we can get the economy back together and this one goes to the wayside. I mean, it's still feeling a little inevitable, but I mean, I'm seeing better signs out there than, than we're going to hit recession. Yep. I think, um, you know, we saw the inflation happen, rates going up, you know, probably is not the best time to be financing a business with rates as high as they are, but I don't think we are feeling the belt tightening of an actual recession at the moment, or at least if we're in one, yeah, we're not feeling it currently. All right. So you wrapped up last year with two points. First two predictions, correct. Last, last prediction did not happen. My third prediction from last year was that we would begin to see some third-party cellular devices that are compatible with multiple irrigation manufacturers controllers so that if you have again I'm, I'm not saying any brand for any particular you know reason if you have a, a hunter you know internet connected controller you could use a third-party modem to connect it if you had a rainbird controller you could use a third-party cellular device to connect it if you had a baseline controller you could use a third-party cellular device to connect it so that managing the cellular data and the plans and the connection and the signal and the strength and all of that technology that is not in the traditional wheelhouse of an irrigation manufacturer can be handled by a third party. And uh, we, are, we are seeing it. I think with uh, one company specifically, OptConnect, they make cellular devices. You can put them on any irrigation manufacturer's controller. And then this third party manages that data plan. So as a contractor or as a service provider, you know, a service company, you don't have to rely on 
Toro, Rainbird, Baseline, WeatherTrack, Rainmaster, CalSense, all these individual cellular carriers and plans and companies, you can just have one for your business, attach it to whoever's controller you like. And Andy, as you know, uh, I've been integrating these into my businesses as well, and I think it's fantastic. It's a very good way to look at the insight of the health of the cellular data plans, as well as you only have one person and one company to manage when you have an issue. You can go right to those folks and they can address it immediately. Some of the challenges that you see in traditional connectivity devices is um, it's a little more challenging for the manufacturer to figure out the diagnostics of a cellular issue than it is a controller issue. Yeah, absolutely. The pain points or the opportunity is less if, let's say, you're a commercial irrigation contractor and you don't do much service or management, you're just installing, right? And you wrap up the project, you punch out and you install another one. Uh, it doesn't really matter as much. But if you're if you have a service business and you have potentially hundreds or thousands of controllers across dozens of different manufacturers, it would certainly make sense to streamline the connection. And then that way, as the contractor, you own the connection. You're responsible for it, not somebody else. And those those packages and plans are relatively cost effective when you're talking about rolling a truck or sending a tech out or just being able to log in from anywhere and, and adjust the controller, turn controllers on and off. It, it's it's definitely been a, a benefit for my me and my company. Very cool. And if you're listening to this, I did at some point last spring have a podcast discussion with Justin from OpConnect after I found out about the technology. So if you're interested in what we just talked about, you can roll back to a previous episode and listen to my conversation about cellular technology with Justin from OpConnect. All right. So the final score, Paul... You had two, I had two, and it was a tie. All right. I like that. Let's see if we can go three for three this year, Andy. <laughs> okay. You know what? Depending on how we frame these questions, you know, we, we could stack the deck in our favor and get them all right, but that's not the point, right? The point is to dream a little bit, yeah. to have a little bit of a BHAG type of a, of a, you know, a vision. And, you know, to me, it's not about getting them right. <laughs> all the time, <laughs> having fun. And we're doing that, Andy. Thank you. Cool. So let's go move into 2023. What is your first prediction for this next year? Well, I put a lot of thought into these, Andy, this year. Not that I didn't last year, but I wanted to be more specific towards water and not go into the inflation and um, recession. So my first prediction here is there's going to be end of the cheap water in the Colorado River Basin. And what does that mean? Yes, well, please tell us. What what's as we we know and we see and we hear the news that you know there's a severe drought out west and the flows going into the Colorado River are much less than they have been and they're going to be much less than they are going to be in the future. So what I've seen and all the work I've done out west is a lot of places that are pulling water from the Colorado River, Andy, the, the water rates are very inexpensive when it comes to relative across the country. So for instance, you know, we do water conservation or water savings projects, and I do barely anything in Arizona, the one of the driest places in the country. Why would you think that would be? It would be crazy. There should be so much water conservation in Arizona, but there's not. Why? 
because they get the Colorado River virtually free, and then they sell it to their clients at almost nothing, at 2 or $3 a thousand gallons. Well, with this drought happening, what now Arizona has to do is they got to build a desalinization plant in Mexico and pull water out of the Sea of Cortez 200 miles to now be able to provide water to Phoenix and Tucson and all the other major metropolitan areas over there at a cost of almost $5 billion. So what that means is now everybody who is paying for cheap water in those areas now have to pay for the price to build that plant and transport the water. So instead of it being $3 a thousand gallons, it's going to go to 11 or $12 a thousand gallons, four times what they've been paying today. Wow. Which is super beneficial for water conservation because the only time we see people saving water is when it hits them in their pocketbook. Mm -hmm. So now we can finally reduce water by helping people spend more on their water consumption. Mm -hmm. So that's my first prediction, Drew, is we're going to end the cheap water in the Colorado River Basin. And hopefully it's going to be more than Arizona, California, Colorado, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming. All of those folks Mm -hmm. need to reduce their water Mm -hmm. consumption. Yeah, that's excellent. I think if you, what's what's fun to think about is that if you're in Arizona and you're listening to this, you might be thinking, what do you mean? We use Xeriscape, like we're doing the best that we can to conserve water. And absolutely you are. You actually might be doing uh, better than anyone in the country. But what Paul's talking about is that the price of water doesn't make the efficiency of it practical from an ROI perspective. So you might be doing what you're doing because it's good to do it. Like it's a best practice. You're doing this in good faith, use the right products, save water. But if the water isn't very expensive, then there isn't an ROI. You can't go in and retrofit it and get your, you know, your savings payback, if you will, versus if that water goes up in price. So my, what I want to ask you, Paul, is do you have a specific rate that you think it'll reach or do you think it'll go up? And I guess I'm asking because I want to know how would we measure this next year at this time if it happened or not? Yeah, I mean, I like that. I think what would be is if if you and I said, okay, well, right now the water in Phoenix, just the water, not sewer, is three bucks per 1,000 gallons. And if we look at the rate at this time next year, Andy, or we look at a rate study that might be done. Um, and we look at that and say, okay, yeah, the rate in that particular metropolitan area increased by 25 or 30%, depending on what it is. But current, the current outlook that I see um, within the next two years, when this new plant comes on board, at least in Arizona, um, it's going to go up to $11 per 1,000 gallons. So I don't know when the plant's going to come on board. These take several years to build and then get them going. And I know they're going to share the water with Mexico as well, but you know, ideally the water rates that are going to be in the, the Phoenix metro area um, in the next several years are going to quadruple than what they are today. Okay. So maybe what we should do is say that if, if we can assume that all water rates will, could go up around the country, that Phoenix will go up uh, at a greater percent than the rest of the country. Well, potentially, just just because of the desal. I mean, there's other places in the country that are going up significantly, like Houston, Texas. Andy, their 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 rates of, are going to go up. Uh, I think 35 to 40 percent next year, and that's primarily because of infrastructure uh, costs that they got to replace infrastructure in order to pay for the infrastructure, meaning new sanitary lines and new water lines. Um, they got to pass on those 
those um, costs to the ratepayers. So that's another place where it's I got it, revenue generating to pay, right. cover the cost. And we're going to yeah. see that a lot of places in the country, but primarily my my initial uh, prediction was primarily around the, the Colorado River Basin. And the reason for that is okay. because, again, um, we're not getting as much water into the basin anymore. and We're still pulling tremendous amounts out. There's still a lot of growth. There's a lot of development um, that are in need of water and there's not enough water anymore. So now they got to find another source of water. Okay. Very good. Can't wait to see what we can find this time next year. Uh, moving on to, I guess my, this would be my first prediction for next year. And it, uh, is an e-commerce prediction. You know, I don't think we are seeing a, an adoption of e-commerce B2B through the industry, meaning, suppliers selling to contractors, you know, via their website is still a very small percentage, right? Um, I don't know what it is. Let's, I don't think it's north of 10% as an industry. It's probably five industry wide with maybe some suppliers up or down, you know, in that range. So my prediction is that in order to, well, let me step back. I think it's a good thing if contractors buy <laughs> make their purchase through the website and not call on their buddy Joe, right? It's just more efficient. It's just a more efficient way. If they know what they want, they don't need to ask a question and, and that sort of thing. It's just a more efficient way. And so I think in order to drive the adoption, because this is kind of creating change, right? That's not why people are not moving because it's new, it's different, it's, it's change, that they're going to need to, suppliers need to incentivize the shift, so my prediction is that for distribution suppliers to start getting um, more adoption of e-commerce through their business portals, they'll need to incentivize the purchase. And that could come in any different form. That could come from a percentage off. That could be lower pricing when they buy online. That could be more rebate points. That could be, it could be anything. But I think in order to drive the shift to e-commerce, suppliers will begin to incentivize the digital purchase over the counter purchase in some way, shape, or form. And Andy, what would be the incentivization of that vendor to buy online? It, would it be it's easier for the manufacturer or the distributor to place the order? They don't need to have as many people sitting behind a desk. What, what would incentivize uh, a contractor to go online and, and, and make the order? Well, from a supplier's standpoint, the digital transaction, right? Think of it as a transaction. The computer can take the transaction. The human, meaning the, you know, the, the person behind the counter, the branch manager, the account manager, the sales rep, whatever, whatever role you want to, to define, they should be adding value to the contractor. And simply taking the order is not a value add. It's just doing something that the computer can do. And so if we could, if supplier X could free up 20% of their labor force from taking manual orders and redirect that manpower to more of a value service add relationship building, it's a plus for everyone. Okay, now I see that. Yeah. So it's, a it's a more efficient way to allocate manpower to do things that manpower is best suited to do. Taking a transaction is not one of them. And Andy, why do you think it's taken so long to, to make this shift? What is it? Is it just we're old school construction guys that, that don't want to make this shift? 
It's change. Change management is all it is. Technology is there. Uh, most distributors have a website that will do the job good enough. It's just change management. And so in order to start affecting sh the shift and making change happen, I think there needs to be an incentive to get people to do something different for the first time. That's, that's what this is about. I want to change the way that you're used to buying. In order to do that, let me dangle a little carrot in front of you. And if I continue dangling that carrot, maybe you'll, tr you'll be trained how to do it. And then you'll ask yourself, man, why wasn't I doing this earlier? <laughs> how come I haven't been doing this? Man, I, I'm so, I can't believe that I always had to call Joe and spend 20 minutes and read my material list. And do you think it, it, it it's, would be easier for the contractors to log in because the portal's easy? They just got to hit a quantity amount because of the supplier is going to provide every SKU and every photo of every device. And all we need to do well, is put quantity. So let me, let me um, just make sure we don't go down this rabbit hole. I would love to have a separate conversation about all of this. Most contractors that have been in business for a while know what they need to buy. They use the same parts over and over again with some deviation. They don't need a picture of a Rainbird 5000. They look at them all day long. Picture is not part of the transaction, right? If you're shopping, researching, yeah, okay, fine, need a picture. But for a business transaction, it is ordering the right thing at the right quantity, making a list, doing it again and again and again, assigning a job name, knowing when it's going to be delivered, all, all of those sorts of things. It's not the you know, consumer experience. All right, Paul, moving on to your second prediction for 2023. So Andy, I've been playing with this particular technology for a spell, and I'm hoping that it gets integrated more into irrigation applications, where I'm thinking we need the opening of an API, an application program interface from irrigation applications that either tie into building automation systems or just allow us to gain access to the data. It's such a struggle for me sometimes to try to move the data that I have in one application and bring it to another. And there's only a few controllers and controller manufacturers that allow us to open up and get the data. I would like to see more irrigation control manufacturers open up the data and allow us to grab it and allow us to display it however we deem necessary. I wish I had a, a little applause button here. Oh, wait, I do. Yeah, I agree, man, 100%. And let's also first make it known that some, probably more than we think, do have API, but it's not much. You know, it's not what you're talking about, like all the data, it's just some manual operations and it's limited. I guess we're not gonna we're not gonna get into the reasons why on this episode, but I think you're absolutely right. It would also alleviate to me, this is I guess through my own lens, alleviate the stress that manufacturers might have on trying to make everyone happy. Paul Bassett wants this report. You know, Joe Smith wants this report. Bill wants the dashboard to look like this. You know, they struggle with trying to make software that makes everyone happy. But instead, if they just gave people access to the data, then Paul could make his own dashboards with his own third-party company the way he wants it to be, take that stress off the manufacturer. Please hurry, Andy. 
let's get this because I see it in other applications that I use that I get access to the data and then I can move the data how I want. We can write scripts mm -hmm. to get the data and display it how we would like. Um, I just can't do it with irrigation companies yet. I know, man. Just as even like, you know, okay, if you're a hunter, let's just, let's just uh, have an imaginary thought for a second. What if Hunter or Rachio were to say, you know what, we're going to connect our controller software platform to uh, Zapier. I don't know if you know Zapier, but Zapier is a tool that then you can connect to like thousands of applications. So Zapier, let's say, connects to Google Sheets. They connect to like MailChimp so that if Rachio was connected to Zapier, then you could say, hey, when zone one waters, it flows into Zapier and then that goes into MailChimp and it emails the client or whatever. Like it's just a connector, you know? So it'd be awesome to just, mm -hmm. it's one thing to open the API. A step further would be to say, hey, connect your platform to Zapier. Then over the counter, you could connect it to lots of other third party applications without needing any custom developer. That'd be awesome. And why do you think, Andy, that the, the irrigation folks are so reluctant to share the data? I don't even know that they are. I just think they have other more pressing uh, priorities on their list that have to do with like making shit work. <laughs> like we just have to make sure that this controller works, that it connects to the internet, that, that, that our Wi-Fi is stable, you know, because that is more important than software if, if, if the actual platform itself isn't stable. So I think that they're still focusing on what's right at hand. Okay. And what we're talking about is you know, next generation, next level, um, et cetera. So that, that's my thought. Okay. Um, good thoughts. Yeah. You know, making sure their flow meter is accurate. How does that connect to the controller? They're still focused on like the, what's right in front of them. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go to my second prediction. And that is, I predict that the irrigation association will have a larger presence at the equip show. The Equip Show is formerly known as the Green Industry Expo, GIE. And I actually attended it for the first time ever this last year. And I was really very surprised. It's a much better um, industry trade show than the Irrigation Association show. Uh, because from like a peer-to-peer -peer group networking perspective, uh, it's you know, our industry being the landscape industry and irrigation is just a slice of it. There's landscape contractors, landscape maintenance contractors, all gathering in this one place. And I feel like that's where irrigation needs to have a louder voice. We don't need a louder voice like with ourselves <laughs> to the choir. We don't need to preach to the choir. We need a new audience. And so I think the Irrigation Association needs to double their membership, 10x their membership, whatever it is. And the best way to do that is to go find new customers, new customers being landscapers. And it is our job, I feel like, as irrigation professionals is to teach, help, and support the landscaper because we're all, we're all in this together, right? Can't have an irrigation system without a landscape. And depending where you are in the country, can't have a landscape without an irrigation system. And so I think we need to be more integrated. And so for that reason... I think the IA show needs to have a larger booth presence, et cetera, at the, at the, what's now called the equip show. That's great. And I, I didn't get a chance to go to that show, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. And, and I'm going to probably try to get out there next year. 
um, because of just what I've heard from you and from others. So hopefully somebody in the irrigation world and IA would, would think about this, especially we got some new blood um, this year with new members coming on board. Um, and it looks like some of them are from landscape contracting companies. So hopefully their their voice will be able to be heard and, and be able to move a little bit more towards the, the landscape contractor. So I agree with that. Yeah. And my first thought was, man, we, sh- we don't even need to have the irrigation association show anymore. We should just move that to one of the other exhibit halls at GIE. Like that right. would be the best thing that could happen is just put the whole irrigation association convention at the GIE show. But I don't think that will probably happen or if it will, it's more years out. So my just closer, more conservative prediction is a larger booth, more presence. I like that. Was there a booth at all there from the IA, Andy? Okay. There was. Yeah, it just was small. People could probably walk okay. right by and not notice. I like that though. Yeah. But you know, because the IAs are already pre-programmed the next three years out, <laughs> I don't see it happening in three, Andy. Yeah. So maybe five-year prediction, they can change. Okay, let's move on to this will be your third prediction, your last one for this year. What's coming up next? So my third one is, Andy, I, I would like to see or we want to see or there's going to be a, a higher demand for water managers for the end of the pipe water users. So what does that mean? Andy, I see a lot of water managers like in water treatment plants and wastewater treatment plants that they're watching the network, they're watching the pipes, they're watching the delivery. Um, But there's not enough folks out there, and I'll just say IE, in the irrigation world who are watching all of these devices and what they're doing and and reacting to uh, what's happening out in the field. We have a lot of good programs out there that provide information, but they're just not enough folks that are analyzing the data and reacting to the issues that the data is telling us. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping my prediction is we just need more folks that are actually analyzing the data and become water managers um, in, in the field that we're in, in the irrigation and water management field. Excellent. I think I know how we could make that prediction come true. How's that, Andy? Here's what we're going to do. Let's have a um, one or more online, uh, let's not call it training, learning session, let's say from you, and you can show people the data that you look at. They can learn something and become a little bit better of a water manager. And if we did that, then it would become true because we've moved the needle a little bit in that direction. We were the ones that actually made the prediction happen because we're going to make it happen for those of us. So I do like that, Andy. You're right. A learning session or a learning lesson. Sharing. You know, it's not a school. It's not training. It's not formal. It's like, hey, uh, this is what I look at uh, across my controllers all over the country. So maybe there's something that you see through your experience that someone else might want to look at for their own controllers. Yeah, there's there's a lot more devices that are coming on board and, you know, the devices are great to be out there. But in order for them to be effective, we need to have folks and people manage it. And you said it best. Um, controllers don't save water. It's Correct. people who are managing the controllers are the ones saving the water. Everyone is in this. Every manufacturer is in this race to have some better widget. And you know what? You take the a very schooled or intelligent or experienced water manager, you can give them pretty much any manufacturer's system. And I, I'm saying this, you know, gently, <laughs> and they can manage it 
well because they know what they're doing. They know how to use the tool. The technology itself you know, doesn't save water. Only the person who knows how to use the technology has the potential to save water. Yes. Everyone wants to think they got some magic controller. Oh, just hang this up. Oh, Target, if you use our controllers, you'll save 25% and it's bullshit. But <laughs> conversation for another time. <laughs> All right. But I like the passion about it, Andy. That's for sure. <laughs> All, All right. right. My third one. Here? Let's see what you got. Is that, you know, and this might raise um, some eyebrows, but I think that Rachio will begin to have a larger influence on the professional side of the business. And what I mean by that is the stereotype that, let's say, Rachio has right now is that it's a home, for the most part, again, a generalizing, that it's a Home Depot controller, homeowners buy it, but it's not what a pro installs, right? That is is the stereotype. And I think that we will begin to see a shift in that uh, where the, the mind of the contractor is being opened up where they realize it isn't about the brand and where the brand is sold and the price of the controller and the, and the discount they have on it and the price that the homeowner can buy it for or the end user or the corporate versus what they can purchase it for that there's really some technology in there. And what Rachio has going for it is they started at the bottom. They started with the consumer. And that's where I feel like the technology flow is happening. It's not coming from the top down anymore. It's coming from the bottom up. So it's easier for someone like Rachio to move up market than it is for someone sitting at the top of the market to move down into mass adoption. So I think we're going to see more commercial, you know, uh, plans, uh, incentives, contractor onboarding, just more movement from Rachio into the professional side of the business. You know, Andy, that's a really interesting thought because, you know, when we sat out and walked around the irrigation show, um, the folks at Rachio had a pretty significant booth. They had a pretty significant presence. And one of the things that I liked about their philosophy was they were they want to be the integrator you see them bringing in more devices more things into their world which is really beneficial for the end user or the consumer because the consumer wants more things they want to be able to save more or integrate more or have more so that that is a very interesting thought yeah, and I saw, so with that, we'll probably see an increase in stocking distributors, product on the shelf, et cetera, uh, coming from Rachio next year. That would be my guess. Excellent. All right, Paul. Well, we wrapped up our three each. Is there any final thoughts that um, you, know, you want to brain share with me or share with the audience as we wrap up the final episode here? Well, I mean, I don't know if this is the final one of the year. I'm hoping, Andy, because I know that this is number 99 and and 100 has got to be something that's going to go out with a bang. I don't know if you're going to have it here this year because I would like to see you hit 100, you know, by the end of the year. And I don't know what your plans are, Drew, but we certainly are anticipating number 100 being something that's going to tantalize us and keep us listening more. (laughs) What are your thoughts? It's the episode with a hundred swear words in it. 
<laughs> well, that'll keep us listening for sure. <laughs> uh, straight out of the internet. <laughs> no, but I, again, I, I want to share with you, Drew, I, I'm grateful for you and our friendship. You know, another year stronger than ever. Um, more brain shares than I think we've had in quite some time because we spent more time together this year um, learning and, and from each other and learning from others. So um, can't thank you enough for for putting this together and, and allowing us nerds to have a place to be able to share. Yeah. So I think let me add on to that and say we need more nerds to share. If you have an idea for let – me, let me go back. My, I got ahead of myself. If you have an idea for the show on a topic that either I should talk about or a guest that you would love to hear from, hear from, or maybe it's somebody that you know, or maybe it's somebody you heard on another show that's not even in this industry, you know, please let me know. I want to improve this show and provide value from you, the listener. And so I can either guess what that is and throw something out there, or I can talk about what's interesting to me and hope that it's interesting to you. But if there's something that you want to hear, let me know. Just hit me up on social media, probably LinkedIn. Send me an email, andy at supplystorebrands.com. Text me. I'm going to give you my personal cell phone number again. I put it out here. No one's ever used it. It's 208-908-3229. And then my final sort of ask would be share this with a friend. Share this with a landscaper. Share this with a potential client. Find an episode of the Sprinkler Nerd Show that resonated with you that that is about water or something that helps your business, share it with your client, you know, find something of value that you can share with your client uh, so that we can just build more and more sprinkler nerds, all sharing a common, common theme. Excellent, Andy. Again, another great year. So looking forward to 2023 and all the things that we get to do in this upcoming year. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Paul, I want to do more next year. So let's let's uh, put it on the calendar. Reoccurring brain share session. All right. I like those. All right, brother. Have a great new year. Catch you later. Good to see you. Bye. <laughs>